I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, your host, Dave Hearn. Uh, and with me, I have my very good friend and uh, very, very talented, very multi-talented guy, Mr. Rob Falconer. Hello, Rob. All right. Yes. Now, this is our, uh, <laughs> I don't know how many attempts we've had at this now. Um, um, we've had a few. It's not gone well this morning, has it? We should, in fact, I've just noticed the time. We were meant to be finishing up just about now. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we were meant to start <laughs> sort of midday and finish at one. It's now sort of five to one. Uh, so we've spent 55 minutes trying to figure out how to make this work. Uh, and who knows? It might not. It might not. I, I, would I feel say, good. I would say that it was, uh, it's worth mentioning at this point that uh, you know neither of us are sponsored by anyone. Um, mm. But I would like to say that I am 100% not sponsored by Talk Talk Internet. And I would advise no one to ever use their product or services. Very good. It's Very good. We can an, even... An anti-sponsor, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the, if there are like licensing implications for that in terms of mischief. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have to sort of say that we don't endorse that opinion necessarily. Yeah, but, um, you've got to at some point say that all opinions are mine and not of mischief theatres. Yeah, yeah. But then what if I have an opinion? What if I agree with you? You, you know fair and square, my friend. When you signed up to mischief theatre, you lost the rights to all your opinions. Yeah. Um, opinions and thoughts are now owned entirely by mischief theater incorporated uh and kenny wax limited yeah and but i then, think weirdly also by talk talk in an ironic twist of fate yeah because they're sort of they're, they're providing you the capacity to, to voice your opinion <laughs> <laughs> very limited capacity yeah i feel yeah i'm quite tense throughout this interview because i'm like is it just going to cut out who knows the best thing i really want to hear the um the audio from the the last time we tried this because you you'd asked me a question and then you dropped out and I was trying to like just keep talking until you came back on because I knew that we didn't want to lose the recording so somewhere mm. there's about three minutes of me talking utter nonsense about guinea pigs um, that's very good so 
Um, well, I tell you what. So let's let's begin with the first section, with the getting to know you section. Um, now, I sort of mentioned yesterday that I don't have any technical knowledge, um, so I don't have any like jingles or anything. So can you just like hum me a little getting to know you jingle? Uh, yes, G- getting to know you. How's that? That was really nice. It was quite as higher than I expected. That's <laughs> really I, good. You know what? That's that, the. <laughs> That's been my story all the way through my life, higher than I expected. What, in terms of, like, achievement? or? Oh, no, God, no, the opposite. <laughs> I, was, I remember getting a, a school report when I was uh, obviously at school, uh, and my French teacher wrote that uh, Rob is like a fruit tree that is growing but yet to bear fruit. <laughs> I was like, great. That same right. that same French teacher, incidentally, Mr. Harrington. I really hope he is by some weird uh, twist of fate listening. Um, but he got caught uh, doing inappropriate things to himself on trains three times before he was eventually fired from my school. Oh my god! <laughs> very That's different. Really bad. Very different time. Very different time. Why on trains? Uh, I assume the vibrations. That was always the thing. So we used to follow him round because the first time he got caught, it was a bit of a rumor. Like you know those. You know, when you're at school, like people make shit up about their teachers that is absolutely not true, but just yeah. about ridiculous enough to be like, no one could make that up. So maybe it is true. Um, but the second time it was in the paper and everyone sort of knew. Um, so we used to follow him around to lessons going like, doing train noises. You couldn't get into trouble for it because if he shouted at you, you'd be like, Sir, you literally got your dick out on a train and start touching yourself. Like, how you've still got your job is beyond anyone. That's crazy. I t- oh, and uh, sorry. I've t- can I, um, what are the restrictions in terms of um, saying things like got your dick out on a train? Well, if there were any, you've just broken them all. So um, I think uh, we'll just put, uh, we'll just put like an explicit warning. Good. On the um, on the thing. Also, as well, that it means that one of the guys who work for um, <clears throat> JHI, who are our marketing company, mm. will be um, at some point transcribing this, uh, and so <laughs> they will have to transcribe <laughs> that story, <laughs> which I look forward to immensely. Oh, that's made my day! Right, I'm gonna mm. make it my mission to say ridiculous things for people to transcribe. Yeah, and what I could do is because I sort of I don't actually pre-record any uh, like intro or anything like that. But what I could do is I could pre-record an intro being like, if you have a kid who is maybe, you know, 12 and below, maybe, you know, mum and dad listen to this one before you decide to play it to them. <laughs> and then, but then to be fair, I'd, I'd expect nothing less of you. You know, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, I think it's, again, something that follows me around. I think that something that a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually really, really good at public speaking, but mm. I never get the chance to do it because... After about five minutes of anyone speaking to me, they they go, no, we're not we're not going to put you in public. He's a good orator, but he you know he doesn't. Uh, is that the word orator? Orator, or, indeed. Yeah, from the Latin orate. <laughs> 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 and so, um, so yeah, you know a bit of Latin, don't you? Yes, yes. My uh, my old Latin teacher, Mister Killock, and I go way back. Um. Again, we, mis- is, is this another story about you sort of todger on a train or? No, I've got um, what are stories about Mister. Oh, Mister Killock had a dog that died. Oh. Um, and I can't remember the name of the dog now, but um, we were in maybe. Was it s- Mrs. Killock? Mm, that's all. Mm. Uh, 
Um, we should cut that bit. That's horrible. Nah, keep it in. <laughs> keep it in. I love a bit of massage. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he had a dog, and we must have been in like our first or second year because uh, I went to a, a grammar school, so we did it like that. Um, mm. So uh, it must have been what, maybe 12 or 13. I, I don't know how. I can't remember ages. Um, and the the people in the years above told us that the ne- that like there was this really naughty naughty Latin words, and if you shouted it out, you got really upset. And so right. they shout. It's one of the guys in my class shouted the word out when he turned his back, and then he lost his shit and ended the lesson early. And then we found out that actually that was the name of his dog that had just died. And oh no, we felt really bad. <laughs> oh, that is that is upsetting. That's really sad. But you went to school. You grew up in Teesside, right? I did. I grew up on the the sunny the, the sunny northeast, and that's not Newcastle. No, I'm just a bit south of Newcastle, so I'm from Hartlepool, which is famous for uh, electing their football mascot, Hangus the Monkey, as their town mayor. What's Hangus the Monkey? Ah, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so, um, sometimes it it varies the, st- the the telling of this tale. You know, everyone's got their own version of it. But uh, the story that I know is that sometime during the Napoleonic Wars, there was a French shipwreck off the northeast coast, uh, which is already a little dodgy because I don't think they ever came. But anyway, um, <laughs> there, was, there was a goddamn shipwreck uh, and the people of Hartlepool went out and looted the shipwreck um, and uh, they brought the crew back and plunder and all that kind of stuff and one of the things that they brought back to shore was the ship's mascot which was a monkey uh, and it was dressed in an admiral's uniform Um, and so the people of Hartlepool just uh, assumed that it was uh, a Frenchman for they had never seen a Frenchman before nor a monkey Um, and (laughs) when the monkey refused to answer any of their questions they put the monkey on trial and found it guilty of being a spy and, and hung it Wow, but who spoke in the monkey's defence? I don't think he had. I don't think he had much of defence. I think the problem was that when read his rights, he wasn't able to ask for a, for representation. I see. Um, I assume. Um, yeah, but also, how did they? Surely the monkey was the monkey sort of shackled in some way? Because presumably listen, it was just like listen, I'm getting out of it. I'm not sat here poking holes in old Mother Hubbard. All right, let's just accept the story and move on. <laughs> That's such and a strange thing to have happened. Oh, it's mental. It's mental. And there's 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 people that um, very few people, but there are people who do um, uh, you know, commit their entire lives to finding out the truth about Hangus and and the monkey and the Frenchman and all this kind of stuff. And and I got a friend of mine that went to Teesside Uni, and he wrote his entire uh, dissertation on on the monkey. Oh wow! Did he um, discover anything? No, I don't think so. We we very rarely, because by that time I'd moved away from Hartlepool. So whenever I went back after that to meet any of my mates, we were we we very rarely spoke about what we were doing. We just sort of like got together in in one of the old pubs, and within an hour we were too drunk to remember anything. So he might have told me what his dissertation ended up discovering, but I the fruits of it. Uh, the the fruits don't, are still hurting after the fruit comment from Mr. Harrington. So, <laughs> and so, so you, yeah, so you so you are from you're not a Geordie. I'm not a because I was I was talking to Bry about this. So Bry is a Geordie, and you've got to be quite she specific, is. haven't you, about sort of northern? 
where, where you say people are from yeah i think you know we everywhere has those little rivalries like you know mm. if you meet someone from i don't know if you meet someone from hartlepool and you say oh are you from sunderland um they'll probably punch you um so i think if you think anyone is from sunderland and they're not from sunderland they'll be punching you out of offense it's, um, it's just baseline offense yeah exactly yeah um, but it's it's odd. It's it kind of it comes down to accents, I guess. It's all they're all slightly different. Um, and even I'm I'm you know I'm from the area, and sometimes I'll listen to someone speak and be like, I think you're from Middlesbrough, but I'm not sure. Um, they're all very slightly different, and you know, yeah, people take a lot of pride in where they're from. I think so. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it was a question I asked to <clears throat> to Brian. <clears throat> There's me coughing so much. Um, it's probably because we've been talking on and off for about three hours now, trying to get this working. My voice is coarse. <laughs> <laughs> I, so the thing I asked Bright, and I don't know, is it, I guess it might be a slightly uncomfortable question, but I asked her, and I thought it was really interesting, if you are from a place uh, up north that has a kind of very strong identity, hmm. do you, did you ever feel any sense of guilt kind of coming to, to the south and coming to London? Coming to the, the, old, the old big city? No, mm. um, not not so much. I think there are kind of two, there are two types of people, and I don't think this is um, confined to the north. I think this is everywhere. I think there are two mm. types of people, especially from when, uh, sorry, especially when you're from, uh, you know, a small town or you know whatever. You are either in the camp of, this is where I grew up. This is where I'm going to die. I'm going to go into my dad's business or my mum's business or the family business, whatever. You know, this is my life. This is where I'm going to be. Mm. Or you're from you're in the camp of I want to get out of here. I I you know I want to expand my horizons. Um, and I was very much uh, I was very much camp B. Um, you know I wanted to go off and see the world and change everything. Mm. Um, I did I didn't do that. I I, went, I saw quite a bit of the world, but I never changed anything. Um, you could so, do with yeah. a bit of change now. Well, all right, sir. <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't. I, I never felt guilt. I, um, I felt. Uh, how do I feel? I, I tell you what, I do feel. I get annoyed with little things down here that make me miss the north. So sure. Stuff like, and you've been out with me before when I lose my shit about like pub etiquette and bar mm. etiquette. Um, up north, you, you know, someone doesn't matter how busy the place is. If the barman comes to you and asks, "Do you want a drink?" the first thing you do is look left and right and make sure that you were next in line. Um, yeah. Whereas you know down south that just doesn't seem to be a thing. It's just like it's free for every man for himself. Yeah. Yeah, and that you know, so I get little things like that where I'm like, "Ah, oh, I miss the north," and then I'll go home to visit my parents for a week and I'll be like, "Ah, I'm so glad I moved out." Um, <laughs> you know, pub etiquette is not enough to make me want to move back. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I think there are some wonderful facets to the north, and I think that uh, we we kind of have this joke in my family that whenever I go back, you know, I've gone up and I go back down. My dad always says to me as I'm driving off, he'll always be like, "Remember to tell them it's grim up here, son." Uh, <laughs> this idea of just tell the southerners it's grim up north, so they won't fucking turn up. Um, so yeah, that some, makes sense. But there are some really, really lovely places, and like me and me and my wife have been saying. Once this is over, there's loads of uh, really pretty castles and and uh, national trust properties up north that we just never sort of we've just never done. I did them all as a kid, like 
you know, either on school trips or, or whatever. Mm. Um, so I think once this lockdown is over, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing a little tour of the Northern Castlery. Oh, that would be nice. And oh, you have quite, um, quite tight. Your family has quite close links to Scotland as well, right? Yeah. So my dad is, uh, my dad's Glaswegian. Well, my dad's, <laughs> again, one of these family stories that is like, is this true? Pretty sure it is. Uh, that he was, he's born in like, uh, he's born in Birkenhead near Liverpool. Mm. Um, and apparently it's because, uh, his dad was down in London working on the, on something like he was, I think he was a rigger, um, and brought his heavily pregnant wife with him. Um, and then when she started to go into labor, he was like, you're not giving birth to my son in England, get back on the train. And she got as far as Birkenhead before she had to give off and give birth. <laughs> um, so I think I don't know. I don't know. We've we've got a lot of crazy little stories like that that we're never quite sure if they're true or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we we all my one half of my family is from uh, is from Paisley, just south of Glasgow. Lin, a uh, little little place called Linwood. Oh, that's cool. And you got you got married in Scotland, right? We did. We we eloped to Gretna Green. And so tell us what's uh, what's special about Gretna Green. Well, Gretna Green is very special because it is um we, we've got to we've got to jump back in time, David, to <laughs> a time where I'm not I'm not keeping that up. Um so um apprenticeship <laughs> <laughs> so quickly. Ridiculous choice. <laughs> an immediate no. Um back in the olden days, I would say of a time where you would describe them as, in fact, ye olden days, where you've got wow, a okay. there. that's how old we are here. Um, you couldn't get married in England without your parents' consent. Um, however, you could get married in Scotland without anybody's consent. And in fact, anybody could marry you as long as they were, I think it's something like as long as they were an artisan or as they were a, a craftsman. Um, you know, if they were able to prove themselves as being a worthy member of their community. Sort of a member um, of a guild or something. Yeah, that kind of thing. So what a lot of young people in England used to do was just cross the border and go to the first establishment they could find and get married there and then come back over the border. Um, mm. And it was totally not legal to do. Um, and so the first place that you come to when you cross the border is uh, the, the lovely little town of Gretna Green. Um, and there's the the blacksmith shop that has been famously marrying people for centuries. So that's what we wow. did. Except we that's eloped really with cool. our parents, so we kind of screwed that up a bit. But they they were on board. They were they were yeah. Yeah, they supported the marriage. Certainly to our faces, yes. Um, God knows what they've said behind our backs, but yeah, they're they've they've been fine. They've, they've sort <laughs> of the public face of the marriage is going very well. <laughs> yeah, the party <laughs> line has been towed, and that's yeah. all you can ask. Um, no, they're be, they, they're great. Um, and Sasha, my wife, her parents, and I, we we all get on really, really well. So it's all lovely. That's really handy. I um, yeah, I, I I get on well with Charlie's family. Actually, I don't see them that much, but they it's such an extended family. I just you mm. sort of end up walking into a, a kind of sort of strange melee of people. Yeah, and then you just sort of find the other boyfriends, and I I simply <laughs> feel like I'm in a sort of '90s rom com. You just kind of want to rip the sleeves off your shirt and be like, look, I've got muscles. Yeah, and you end up kind of like, you know, the amount of times I end up just sort of talking about something that I have no real interest in, but it seems to be a kind of 
universally male accepted thing that we talk about i don't know like you know what car someone's driving and i'm just sort of like i'm happy to just kind of play along because i'm like yeah i mean i don't i'm not not interested in it it's just uh (laughs) i just i don't really know why i'm talking about it i wouldn't call someone and be like i saw this motor the other day (laughs) and it was great (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think it's it is an odd i want i assume i assume women do it too but maybe with I know this is probably a sexist thing to say, but potentially different subject matters. But I think, you know, we do always, um, we had to go to a funeral um, just before this lockdown stuff started. Um, and, you know, Sasha was sort of like guiding me through it, just being like, that's my uncle, that's my cousin, that's what this, mm. that is. Um, but you do eventually find yourself in a corner on your own, just being like, right, okay, here we go. Uh let's talk about boat building with this guy who owns a boat. <laughs> right. Okay. Here we go. This is my next 20 minutes. Uh, it's just, yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I think that's something that everyone does. I think you, it's yeah. sort of that polite conversation thing that I think is, is very British. It is very British. And um, actually we should move away from Britain for a second uh, because. Well, you'll be quarantined for 14 days if you do, sir. <laughs> yes. <very> true. <laughs> so you wouldn't be able to do do this thing now during the lockdown because didn't you do a kind of crazy trip in a Bedford rascal? Mm, yeah, I did. Uh, when, when was that? So I did what was, what is called the Mongol Rally. Uh, right. you, you drive a one-litre engine car f- from Hyde Park to Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia. Uh, so me and two of my friends, um, we uh, we we got a Bedford Rascal for about 130 quid. Um, we patched it up as best we could, uh, and that's what we did. So you do it all for charity, and we raised about £3,000, I think it was, for, for two different charities. Um, and it was incredible i think it was 2008 i did it i think something like that um and it was just the most amazing experience um you know we we had uh a party in a castle somewhere in the czech in in sorry, where was it was that czech republic i don't remember we had a party in a castle at some point where um there was an absinthe bar at the top of a tower um oh that's cool that was brutal i've just googled it yeah, and it says that like the distance is anywhere between um, thirteen thousand and sixteen thousand kilometers, mm. depending it's on a, what route you take. It's That's far. I think it's something like you drive around like a third of the. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what the thing is, but you drive a fair portion. Mm. Um, it took us a month to do. Um, How do you have supplies and stuff for that? Do you bring food with you, or uh, people do it in different ways? Like we, there is. Uh, a team that we ended up doing quite a bit of the desert part with um who um, we're still kind of on and off like we'll text each other every now and then they're good friends um he was a photojournalist and his friend i can't remember what he did i think he just maybe came along for the ride um but they were doing it very much on the cheap right and so they bought and he oh that was the thing he was the filter journalist was vegan as well so he was like i'm going to be screwed once we get into the baltic states because you know everything's just meat and butter yeah um, so goulash the, oh i love a goulash um they had you know i think they had a fiat panda which is the best car to do the rally with if anyone's thinking about doing the rally do it in a fiat panda because they've got a four by four system Oh wow! Um, there you go, little trick for you. Do it in an old one. Don't do it in a new one. Um, 
and they had their packs with them and then in the boot they had like 10 kilos of dried pasta 10 kilos of rice and like seven blocks of cheese and that was that was it that was their plan wow um i don't think it worked out i think they got really sick of that after a while Um, yeah you would so some people did that we did we sort of resupplied as we went um we were doing it in a bedford rascal there was so much more that could go wrong with the vehicle so uh, it's quite top heavy isn't it yeah we nearly tipped it a couple of times um which was terrifying um we did did we ever we were i don't know if we ever did it but we were planning on actually tipping it before we left and then tipping it back to see if we could but i don't know i can't remember if we ever actually did that um but yeah we, we had a great time we got shot at um there were like bullet holes in the car um we ended up having a night out with the mafia um, oh, wow. and I got into a lot of trouble because I kissed, uh, I kissed a girl who turned out to be someone that I shouldn't have kissed. And then we were sort of chased out. Um, that is was... that where the shooting happened? No, the shooting happened later on. The shooting happened, uh, in when we were just going back into Russia. So you had to see this bit where you go through, but like basically through the bottom of this bit of Russia. I'll tell you what Russia looks like. It's very, very specific but if you've ever seen a cut of chicken called the chicken supreme yes i have yeah that's kind of what russia looks like it's got that little bone at the bottom and you have to cross along that so we got shot at there um by some bandits that weren't happy with us um bandits yeah that was fun were they were they after your booty i don't know what they were after because they the other thing so at the time when it was happening, it's so odd. But at the time, we were all laughing our heads off, thinking it was the funniest thing in the fucking world. Um, and in the meantime, there's like a pickup truck with people shooting at our car with a pistol. And we're just giggling our tits off. Um, but then when we looked back on it, obviously we were like, why were we laughing? That was terrifying. Yeah. And, and we were like, what were they actually after? Because they could have quite easily overtaken us and stopped us. Like our car, the, the Bedford Rascal is is not renowned for its speed. Mm. Um, you know, even when it was at, at, at its prime, it was not a fast vehicle. Should I Google um, Bedford Rascal top speed? Oh, good lord! I reckon it's probably about seventy-five if you're going downhill. Okay, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's not even good. No, no, it's not good. It's not it's good. Not, Bedford Rascal top speed is um, that's what it's it's sort of clocking in here. Oh no, it's giving you. Oh, there's there's. <laughs> There's a whole thing of, you know, Bed- Bedford Rascal reviews, um, <laughs> a sort of a, a car survey. Someone, some, well, it doesn't say, but someone has asked, how can I get it over 50 mile an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got, yeah, it seems to be like 50 or 60 mile an hour. Oh God, it was so much fun. Imagine driving a 50, 60 mile an hour car all the way. We also, yeah. it broke down before we got to the starting line in Hyde Park. Good. Um, we had to, well, I think, did it, yeah, it did. It arrived on the back of an AA lorry to the starting line. Um, did so, they let you compete still? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The whole thing about it is, um, you know, they don't allow you to use GPS. Um, and it's about having an adventure. Um, the the thing the the company that run it is called the Adventurists, right. uh, and they do lots of different things. Like they do a they used to do a a drive from Hyde Park down to South Africa, down to Cape Town. Okay, but they had to stop it because I think there was like a band of countries that all bordered each other 
across uh, across Africa um, that at one point were basically all at war with each other. And so it was right. impossible to get from North Africa to South Africa without going through one of these countries. Um, so they had to stop that. Although when we went, um, Georgia and Russia were firing rockets at each other. Um, oh, wow. And I know a couple of teams that went through Georgia, one team that won, uh, they won the Spirit of the Rally Award. Um, a shell landed in the road right in front of them, blew up the road in front of them to the point where like, they were so close to it that they ended up driving into it. Like They couldn't stop in time. Oh um, wow! So the car ended up in the um, in this hole in the road in Georgia, um, and they ended up managing to finish the rally, which was incredible. But yeah, so it's pretty, it's dangerous, but it is, you know, it's it's fun, and you do have some experiences, and you meet some amazing people. Yeah, I imagine you have to be. Um, I mean, that probably that's credit to you and your friends, really, to kind of being sort of quite open and quite brave to kind of engage with it in its sort of full spirit. I do. I've. I've, so there's a friend of mine that I made on um, uh, on another show um, who is very he's he's such a cool guy um, Sam if you're listening that's you babe uh, he is uh, he's a re- like he's really mechanically minded uh, he's really he's a musician and he does all sorts of stuff he's really cool and he's um, he said oh would you ever do it again um, I said, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it'd be great to do it again. And we'll put a team together, like the pair of us, and go off and, you know, he can fix the car and I'll, you know, do nothing. Um, and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I would definitely do it again, but I would never take some of the risks that we took looking back. And I don't think it was bravery back then. I think it was just a combination of cheap vodka and stupidity. <laughs> yeah. How old were you? Uh, I, I think, it was, like I said, 2008. So. Um, uh, 16? Yeah, very stupid. No, I must have been older than 16. No, 2008. Uh, 12 years ago. So yeah, it must have been ago. about 18. 18, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Driving in that international license. You have to be 18. Yeah, you probably think you're, yeah. you're bulletproof at that point anyway, so... Mate, I think we might have been. The car certainly wasn't. <laughs> we ended up having to... Um, so <laughs> we The suspension totally shattered on it in um in kazakhstan um and we took it to a mechanic and it was honestly it was like something out of like a sketch show there were literally we we got it in there um and there was four guys sat around like a white plastic picnic table that was just what wasn't covered in empty bottles was covered in empty cigarette ash and butts and like like, oh my god what the hell is this and um, they got up and they were like, yeah, we'll fix your car. No problem. We explained what it was that was wrong. And they were like, yeah, no problem. And we were like, this is <laughs> what the hell's going to happen. So we left it with them. Uh, and then we went back and the guy uh, showed us our car. He was like, you know, car fixed. Um, all good. No problem. And we we're like, oh, great. And then he went, uh, but maybe small problem. Uh and we thought, sort of okay, what what small problem? And he was trying to explain. He couldn't explain. So eventually, he just you had to to look at the engine. You had to tip the chairs back. So he just tipped the chairs back, um, and he pointed to the accelerator cable, and he was like, uh, "Cable, uh, we burn. Uh, sorry, we replace." And we were like, oh, oh wow! Okay. So basically, what they'd done is welded through our accelerator cable or something. Something had gone horrendously wrong. Um, and so they replaced it with just some wire that they twisted up and then cable tied to make it the right length. 
Oh my god! So that lasted about thirty miles. Um, so you just then, had no no power, no gas. No, what we ended up having to do was um, we had a small hole in on in the floor, which was useful, and one person had to lie in the back and put their hand underneath the car to get to the engine and pull on the caliper on the side of the engine. So basically do the job of the accelerator cable, but with your finger. Um, Oh, wow. So that was an incredibly hot and painful job. We all burned burned our fingers off doing that. Um, And we did quite well with that. We lasted quite a while. But the problem is, is that we had no real control of how rich we were running the engine. Sure. So uh, eventually we, we flooded it badly and it just conked out. Um, so we ended up selling it to some very dodgy people that kind of made it clear that they were going to be using it for running drugs. So we were like, yeah, just have it. <laughs> the less we know, the better. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know what? I think they ended up giving, uh, this is me admitting to import fraud, but uh, they ended up giving us $100 for it, I think, which we used to try and buy a ticket on the Trans-Siberian Express to get us to Mongolia. Uh, and we got on it and we ended up going the wrong way. Very good. And very, very kindly, the conductor when we explained what had happened and he asked us what the three of us were doing and we explained the rally and stuff to him and he was like, Oh, that's really cool. Uh, don't tell anyone I'll send you back. Um, so he oh, let us go cool. back to three. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So you were, you were kind of 18 around this point. Mm. Um, at what point did you sort of uh, start getting into music? Oh, I, I'd I've been in music for, for years before then. So my dad was a, uh, was in bands when he was when they during the sixties and the seventies, and uh, my brother is uh, a professional musician, um, mm. soon to be a doctor of music, I believe. Um, wow, really cool. Um, it's very cool. So it it's sort of always been uh, in our in our blood, as it were. My mum plays a mean kazoo. Oh well, who doesn't? Well, well no, I suppose it's I, you know I don't want to I don't want to undermine the kazoo. I imagine it's. It's quite a hard thing. Oh, who's who's at your door? There's someone at my door. Um, I think I might have to sort of stop the recording and then sort of pretend, pick it up. Why, do, why don't you just leave it running? I'm going to leave it running and go to the door. Yeah. And I will regale the people. Right, so Dave's off. What do we reckon it is? I think it's going to be something for the computer. That's what I think. I don't know. Let's try and play a game before he gets back. I'm right, tr- oh, I'm just back. Oh, that was quick, wasn't it? What were you trying to do? I was going to try and like think of a word that I was going to try and get you to say without you knowing. So then when you listen back, it would be like, huh, you said the word. Okay, okay. That's where I've got to in lockdown. <laughs> That's where <laughs> that my creativity is, mate. Have you found that people who deliver stuff either knock on your door so quietly it's imperceptible or so loud as if they're trying to get into the house? <laughs> yeah. like, it's crazy. There's, there's no, there's, do you know, it's because there's no training anymore in this. It's just there's you know, no door knocking training. Just, there's no, there's no etiquette. It's another thing that makes me miss the door, the north. You know, decent, door knocking, decent etiquette. door knocking etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just looked at the time of the recording, so we aim to keep these about forty-five minutes. We're on 30, 33 minutes. Oh God! So what I might do is just jump us forward to the questions from the web. Um, oh, exciting! Which are questions that have been sent in via Twitter. Um, but obviously this is a new section, Rob, so we need a- another little jingle. Oh, uh, uh, it's time for Twitter questions. Again, very high. <laughs> yeah, really, that's my default. That's my default, I think. I really liked it. 
Okay, so, right, I've got a couple, but then I've actually got a couple more since yesterday. So we'll kind of, um, we'll, we'll sort of do a, a, a different variety of them. So um, Stephen Smith or Stefan, Stephen, Stefan, whichever one you are. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Smith, um, <laughs> Mr. Smith uh, asks, what is Rob's favourite make of guitar? My favourite make of guitar? Um, it depends what I'm doing. Um, at the moment, um, I'm doing a lot with uh, my uh, Gibson Studio Custom, mm-hmm. um, which I am really enjoying the feel of. I sort of grew up playing uh, Fenders. I didn't get my first Gibson until about three years ago. Um, so I've been enjoying that at the moment. Um, if I'm doing anything kind of funky, then I'll bring out the Stratocaster because it's the funkiest thing in the world. So, um, And then if I'm doing acoustic, it's the Taylor GS Mini. Which is go. otherwise known as the Ed Sheeran guitar. Ah, uh, is, it, is it a good one? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I've got um, mine's a, a Koa Mini, um, so it's made of of Koa wood, um, and it's the tone of it is is absolutely stunning, um, and it's so so loud. Like the, it, it's surprising how much punch it packs for for such a, a, a small guitar. Um, but it's yeah, I love I love that thing. I play that quite a lot, actually. And can you, you play go. the mandolin as well? I do. I do play the mandolin. In fact, um, the mandolin that I have uh, is the back of it. So I bought the, the current mandolin that I'm using. I actually bought in New York when we were over on Broadway. Mm. And all the instruments that I bought while I was there, um, we ended up giving to charity because I couldn't fly them home. Um, otherwise, I would never give sure. them. I wouldn't have given to charity willingly. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, <laughs> but the mandolin I brought home, and actually, it's signed by everyone. So that's oh, cool. A cool little, so I've got a, a signed from the original cast of Play That Goes Wrong mandolin. Here's that's very cool. Piece of information. And I also played the hurdy gurdy while I was out there. Yes, I was, remember that. Which was my way of making sure that I had some time alone because I'd just start cranking it up, and everyone would go, Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, they'd rub with the hurdy gurdy. And they'd leave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. That was good. I like that instrument. Yeah. Is it? It's uh, okay. So, what, uh, who else have we got here? We got Haley Pineapple. Haley's becoming a regular. I don't know. If pineapple, pineapple. Yeah, I don't know if it's her real last name. Or she's a pineapple called Haley. Well, there's only one way to find out. Does she live? Is is something living in her under the sea? Yeah. Is she actually in SpongeBob? That's the question. That's what we all need to know. That's my question for her, which I okay. I expect her to be on the podcast next week, and you can ask her. We'll do 45 minutes on where she lives. <laughs> and if it's not under the sea, it will end very quickly. <laughs> um, she asks, I think I know the answer to this, but she asks, um, what is your favourite film that you can watch over and over again? Well, I can tell you straight off uh, that I watched this film when it was on VHS so much that we that I wore the tape out and we had to I bought it again. Uh, and it is Jurassic Park. Yes, yes, um, I thought it might be. It's it's whenever someone says what's your favorite film, it's one of those things where it's like well you've got to take Jurassic Park out of the equation otherwise it's just what's the point in asking the question you know yeah really what you mean is what's your second favorite film yeah exactly exactly yeah what is your second favorite film oh god uh what is my second favorite film um, if I had to guess I would probably say it'd be Top Gun I think it might have to be um purely because it's just most it's the weirdest film 
It is peculiar, isn't it? Still can't work out whether it was a joke or not. I think it's... Um, I don't know. I <laughs> They're bringing out a new one, aren't they? I know, I saw. with the, he's, a, he's an instructor at Top Gun. Yeah, and is he, he's been there for, you know, 20-odd years. But he's it's, just, you know... Is, and isn't it just called Maverick? Yeah, it's called Maverick. And I think um, Val Kilmer is making an appearance back in it as well. Oh, so nice. I think Ice, I think Ice is back. The Iceman better the come Ice back. Um, um, okay, very good. Can you remember when we went to see it for your birthday at the, at the Prince Charles? Oh, yeah, you get it for like a quid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. And we were all absolutely belting out Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> it's such a tune. I've still got that soundtrack on my phone. I've it's such a good desperately, soundtrack. I've desperately tried to get that into every single rock and roll panto I've ever done. Like every time there's a dame entry and like, right, what song should we do? And I'm like, Highway of the Danger Zone. One, one year I will get it in. It will happen. Or just even the, um, just the, the bass opening. <laughs> and then it could go into a different song. But like it's, uh, you just want to hear that. You know that Kenny Loggins has done like a whole, I think he's done like three or four albums of kids music. Oh, wow. Like story kids stuff. That's what he kind of does. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, he's he's a a very interesting man for anyone listening. Uh, look him up. He is way more than just Top Gun and Footloose. Um, well, we'll see if we can get him on. Oh, <laughs> like, man, if you get Kenny Lockins on the show, let me know because I'm I'm on board. Yeah, we'll do a three way, three way Zencaster. We're gonna make three-way. Kenny Lockins airtime. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. Oh, uh, someone's gonna transcribe with... that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. Even if you are hard of hearing, you can still enjoy that sentence <laughs> <laughs> um liz um mm. who uh is her her is at litter of coal 85 oh litter uh, of cola from america oh yeah look at that i've read that so badly litter of cola i said yes. litter of coal i, I got remember. none of that right i remember liz. hello liz i remember liz now liz is uh liz is uh Oh yeah, Lizzie's photograph at the moment. It it was her and Henry Shields, but now it's her and Alex Mandel who played uh who played Max on uh on Broadway. Ah. Uh, so you know she's gone off us, mate. But she's, she's asked you a question. Upgrade. What an upgrade. Uh she has said, um, what was it like composing music for Play That Goes Wrong? Because you had to do that on Broadway, right? Yeah. Um it was fun. It was fun. I and I, you know, I don't get the opportunity to score like orchestral stuff much mm. um so yeah it was fun to do um so all the incidental music is uh is mine both here and well all, all over the world that's all all the stuff in the show is mine but on broadway we ran into some issues that meant that i had to score the entire uh running or the entrance music well it's just like 45 minutes isn't it yeah yeah that was fun that wow. was fun um and you know what? I still remember. So it took me however long to do. And it was like uh, sleepless, sleepless nights trying to get it done and doing it all on the equipment that I had out there with me as well. So, you know, not having my usual things at my disposal. Um, and I remember finally getting it done and getting it put in and being like, guys, it's in. Let's all go for a drink. And you all went, ah, we can't. We're doing Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we started playing D&D in Broadway. It became quite serious. But then it was very weird because we'd finish a show at like 10 and then we'd start and we wouldn't finish until 2. And you'd always be so tired. It's, <laughs> you know, I'm very pleased for you. In um... Yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. And, and the same for Peter Pan. Like, you know, 
think me and Rich are both quite proud of the stuff that we did for that. So yeah. Yeah, the music in Peter Pan is really lovely. It's really great music. It's good to have on in the bath, for example. Yeah. Well, just, you know, in the shower while if the water is pounding around your ears. Okay, I think we've probably got time for um, for one more, or maybe two, actually, depending on how quick it is. So actually, um, Liz also says, um, how is it playing Derby Finn on the West End? Uh, that was amazing. Um that was a role that I'd always, always wanted to do since it was announced that it was mm. being made. Um, and yeah, I was, I was, I loved, I loved every second of the show. Um, uh, it's just so much fun. You just get a throw. I mean, and also there's not many roles for fat, ugly people like that, <laughs> um, you know, um, which is a blessing and a curse because the blessing is you're getting to do it, but the curse is that they go, okay, I know that you're you've been cast in this show because you're overweight, but while you're singing that top note, can you also jump off this desk? And you're like, oh come on, <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, because no, I saw I, I saw you do it and I saw the other guy do it, and it's a very sort of agile part and it's quite mm. high energy and it's it's yeah. amazing. Some of those notes are incredibly high as well. There's a, so the guy that was in it uh like so there's a, a main and, and an alternate um and i mean everyone that does it as far as i'm concerned is is amazing including me obviously um mm. you know it's it's such a hard thing to do and there's a, a real kind of uh not brotherhood because that sounds exceptionally wanky but there is a real kind of like you don't know till you've done it yeah. um but i always remember that uh craig gallivan who was playing it when i first joined the cast he just made it look like it was not a problem. Uh, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous how, how gracefully such a large man moved. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? When you sort of see those performances and you're just like, oh, wow. Uh, have you, has he either done it so much that it's now just second nature or is it just yeah. like a natural grace in his performance? I, te- I text him after the first time that I went on. I text him and was like, my body is killing me. How the hell do you do this five times a week? Uh, and he texted me back and said, it's no, I said, I said, how do you do this? Like, you know, what's your, your trick? And he just texted me back saying, it's just that, but another five times, mate. <laughs> Easy money. <laughs> no, there's no trick to it. <laughs> you just kind of yeah, keep I, I, I absolutely loved that. And I missed that show. Um, it's going out on tour next year, I think with coronavirus hopefully uh, pending yeah um but sadly i will not be doing it but it is uh yeah it's it's great and uh finally for this uh questions from the web uh mm. this one's from daisy thomas i don't know if you i feel like you would know one of these she asks what is your favorite conspiracy theory my favorite conspiracy theory yeah, i mean do you know a conspiracy theory yes i feel yeah. like you have many um i well I see one that comes to the top of my, it's maybe not the most interesting, but the one that comes to my mind straight away. There's a conspiracy theory in wrestling. Because uh, I am, uh, uh, I'm a fan of wrestling. Big WWE uh, fan. Big WWE fan. I'm still catching up on sleep from uh, Saturday night. There was a big uh, AEW pay-per-view um, that was astonishing. I I recommend you go and watch it. It's amazing. Um 
<laughs> so many plugs in this you're not, podcast. You're not going to go watch it. I know you're not going to go and watch it. <laughs> uh, my silence was enough. I um... uh, but there's a great uh, there's a great conspiracy theory that uh, there's a wrestler called the the Ultimate Warrior. Mm. Um, and he uh, he went away for a while. He, I think he got injured and he went away for a while. Then when he came back, um, wrestling fans were convinced that he had died and was now a different person. Um, and this went on up until like, I think up until he died for real, uh, he was having to quash rumors that he had in fact already died. Wow, um, what a strange thing to have to contend that, with. It's such a weird thing because r- the world of wrestling with, uh, there's a thing called kayfabe and kayfabe is the kind of, uh, the story in the world of wrestling. So mm. you can be like, uh, you know, in the, in, in the wrestling story, you are kayfabe, uh, mad at somebody or you're kayfabe married to somebody or whatever. But in the real world, that's not true. You're actually best buddies and you're married to someone else, you know? So kayfabe is the storyline of, of wrestling. And, back when this was all happening it was like the you could not break kayfabe like it was you weren't allowed to do it there's so many amazing stories from that time about of wrestlers not breaking kayfabe um to the point where uh there were two tour buses that drove the wrestlers to different events um you know one was for one group and one was for the other group of people they were feuding with because you know to keep up the pretense keep it up up. so when yeah so when kayfabe was still alive and well at this at this point when the rumors of him dying were kicking about and so i think that wwf as it was back then i think they really struggled with how to play with it because they were like uh, we can't admit that this guy's a real person like we can't say what his real name is and be like look he is alive because as he doesn't have a real name as far as everyone should be concerned he's called the ultimate warrior um that's kind of amazing. there's a really good um documentary series uh, on vice called dark side of the ring and even if you're not a wrestling fan, um, I think it's incredibly interesting. My wife, Sasha, um, can't stand wrestling and thinks that I'm an idiot for watching it. Sure. Um, which is fair enough. Most people do. Um, but even she's watched a couple of bits of it and she's like, what is what is this? It's so interesting. And it's basically just stories kind of like this, like the conspiracy theories and little sort of stories from the history of wrestling. And it's it's amazing. Yeah, that does sound really cool. And it is weird, isn't it? Because I, I, I was big into it when I was much younger. But yeah, I imagine the kind of secrecy that surrounds it and the kind of uh, how much you kind of have to commit to that sort of dual life must be really yeah. strange. Yeah, it's a, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, now it's not so much. Now it's um, it's now Actors called... called show. Yeah, it's called sports entertainment now and it's a whole different thing. And, you know, you've got... Um, You'll have uh, pa- wrestlers on panels that are like, you know, deeply feuding with each other in the shows, but then they're doing these Q and A's where they're sat next to each other and having a great laugh. And then someone will ask a question like, "Oh, you know, what do you think is going to? Ha- how do you think the match is going to go on Saturday?" And there's still this kind of like, you know, unwritten rule that no one says it's fake. Like, no one ever says, you know, you're not going to ask a wrestler what's going to happen on Saturday, and they're going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm going to drop the belt, and this guy's going to win it," and the, you know, it's always going to yeah. be like, "I'm going to kill him, I'm going to do whatever." And it's funny watching these guys, you know, be all friendly to each other on a panel, and then as soon as someone asks a question about the match or the feud, they go into character, and yeah, it's it's fun. I think I, cool. I think that's the reason that I've got into it again. I've had a, a renaissance of wrestling, if you will. Mm. Uh, it's because it's kind of it's just a soap opera. It's a soap yeah. opera, but with, you know, 
high flying ridiculousness and it does hurt like i i again if you ever get the chance to be power slammed in a ring uh which i have had the chance to do and i took it and i will never do it again it fucking hurts man yeah like, i got through a table by a um not by like a, a famous wrestler but a um we used to have this kind of wrestling tour, this small kind of fringe company used to come to Harlow oh, when I was younger. Telling me about this. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I played a clown who kind of came and set up um, like hardcore matches and stuff, and we used mm. to have to do loads of stuff. But I remember once they they just set up this kind of literally like a pop up ring in the in the town park for this big festival, and the guy who was directing it called me and was like, "You in the town park today?" And I went, "Yeah," and he was like, oh, "I need I need um I, I need one of our wrestlers to take out an audience member. Can you come and do it?" Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. And I literally turned up and the director came up to me and I was stood in the audience. He went, okay, in about 30 seconds, he's going to point to you and then just come and grab you. Just do what he says. That was the entire prep that I had. <laughs> and um, he, and I was just like, oh, sorry. And he said, when he points to you, like swear at him and call him names and stuff. Mm. Um, so I did it. And he, he just came into the crowd and um, and he just went literally just, grabbed me over my shoulder and like under my crotch and just just in my ear just went okay here we go mate and lifted me off the ground <laughs> and i was like he's not really giving me any instructions uh, and he just slammed me into the floor um, and it was actually fine it took the wind out of me but it was okay mm. and then um and then he picked me up sort of by my hair and i kind of went with it and then he just whispered into my ear he just went straight into the pole and just like swung me into the side of the ring and i had to like <laughs> get smashed into a pole and so i was like oh maybe that was my first experience of kind of physical comedy because i imagine it looked <laughs> very amusing oh man it's so much fun i love it i think i i i think that anyone listening give give wrestling another chance do it do it now you can, even you can go on even though the rock's not in it you don't need the rock anymore i promise you it's a totally different thing uh and people are doing some ridiculous stuff right now. There's a guy that's just, uh, I mean, he's a, quite a big guy anyway, but he's now over on one of the more mainstream uh, shows called AEW. There's a guy called Brian Cage. And Great it's one of those things that if someone's called Brian, you're like, <laughs> all right, okay. And then you look at this man and you go, yeah, yeah, you can call yourself whatever you want, mate. You can, you can be Brian. Yeah. Titan. He is quite the man. Well, that is another plug for wrestling. This is great. So many times. I'm not plugging anything that I'm doing. Just plugging wrestling, conspiracy theories, and and not using talk talk. Um, right. So finally, we have the quick fire section. All right. Oh, now, okay. I suggest this is this is quick fire. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, can you give me a very quick quick fire jingle? Uh, yeah. Da 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 da. Quick fire. Nice. Much lower though. Yeah, yeah. That I was good. Low, yeah. Because it's uh, more serious. It is very serious, this one. Um, so there's a couple of quick fire questions um, for you. And, you know, I'm just going to say, answer them as quick as possible. Oh, God, okay. Okay, here we go. What's your favourite colour? Purple. What's your spirit animal? Tiger. Um, who is most likely in mischief to corpse on stage? Uh, probably me. Nice. Uh, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? I don't care. It's food and I want it. Um, we already found out what your favourite film is. What's your least favourite film? Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say without offending people. Uh, I, my least favourite film is uh, any of the Twilight series. Nice. Um, what is your favourite musical? 
Ooh, uh, uh, School of Rock. No, of course. Uh, north, south, east, or west? North, mate. Nice. And uh, finally, who would be the best mischief person to be trapped on a desert island with? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go for Henry Lewis. Yeah, that would be good. Quite a good, sort of an inventor. Yeah, I feel like Hen would be the perfect foil to my manic energy. Uh, mm. And he would make me be sensible and conserve water while I'd be like, no, nah, Hen, we're stuck here. Let's make, let's make a pool. Um, yeah, yeah. That's good. I think that I think Henry Lewis would probably drown himself rather than be stuck on a desert island with me. But there you go. At least you'll have some food. We'll have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Best bless. And actually, finally, before we kind of do the sign off, um, mm. I'm going to give you another chance to to plug something. Um, you support a charity that's about the Scottish Lynx. Is that right? Uh, n- not anymore. Oh no! But then, should uh, we not plug it? Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Screw the links. <laughs> no, let's let's support the links, but let's also support rewilding in a responsible fashion that listens to both sides of the stories. Were they not responsibly rewilding? Um, uh, they were maybe slightly aggressively not listening to uh, some concerns from farmers and farm and landowners um okay okay a lot of farmers concerns are uh i don't want to say not legitimate because that's bad a lot of farmers concerns are uh easily answered um sure. but, but often not easily listened to but also uh, there are genuine concerns that need to be responded to and need to be looked at um uh, but yeah Okay, well, if, if you fancy supporting the links, find a sort of responsible. Yeah, have a look. Uh, please do have a look at rewilding. It's the uh, you know, aside from doing a Thanos and getting rid of half the population, mm. uh, re- rewilding is a really good thing to look at in terms of um, bringing back a steady ecosystem and, and improving the environment. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be just bringing back you know bears and wolves and lynx and all the cool animals. There are all sorts of smaller animals and insects, and and uh, even just the idea of uh, rewilding some of the forests and rewilding some of the. Um... Oh God, they're after me! Uh, re- oh no, that was your end. You're okay. That was um, mine. You know, things like peat bogs and peat marshes and stuff like that. We should be looking into conserving and all that kind of stuff, all that hippie nonsense. Very good, Rob yeah. Faulkner. Thank you very much. Rob Falconer, hippie nonsense. Rob Falconer, hippie nonsense, WWE, music, Bedford Rascal, all the above. Absolutely. Um, thanks very much for, uh, for, for, for joining us. No, absolute um, pleasure. And thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, if you've made it this far, congratulations. Um, and uh, yeah, just keep following us on, uh, on Twitter for all of our latest updates. Thanks if, very much. If you want to follow me, follow me on Instagram because I don't look at Twitter. Oh, do you not? No, no. Um, I d- I've, I've got in my my profile. I've put not monitored, but I think I should just pin a tweet saying I don't look at this. Um, fair enough. Have you? What's your Instagram? It's either Rob underscore Falconer or Falconer underscore Rob. I'm not sure. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> try both of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that means I've got to put some content up. Ugh. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.